0: Bienvenides to... Merendiasmo! The first one of season four. Can you believe it? Oh, it's so good
1: to be back. It really is. And what a better way to start season four than with Bilal Beg. Bilal Beg is a queer, trans-feminine, Muslim facilitator and published playwright. Their play, Acha Bacha, has just been published with Playwrights Canada Press. What an achievement, and what a beautiful story to share. In this interview, we talk about the power of speaking Urdu on stage without compromise, religion, queerness, and trauma. And why Bilal is passionate about youth accessing arts education. So sit back, grab a snack, and let's get started!
0: Oh my god, I just saw your cat's tail. I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> oh no, yeah, she's... That she's, was delightful. She does these things where as soon as she knows I'm on a meeting, she's kind of just <laughs> like, oh well, what about me? Like,
0: Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> she's full, full face right now, full yes. ears. Yes. Oh my god, what's her
1: name?
2: Her name's Ding Dong.
0: <laughs> How are we going to get back on point, y'all? <laughs> <I know. laughs>
1: so right now during this pandemic, you, you were raised in Mississauga, but right now you're in Toronto?
2: Yes, in Toronto. I have an apartment here in Parkdale.
0: Parkdale represent.
2: Yeah. Really good food. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is there a reason that you like Parkdale? Do you like it in Parkdale?
2: I do. I do. It's so interesting. We, it was. This was the, you know, escape from Mississauga apartment. Like my brother and I had you know, a lot of experiences in the family home. And we just knew that we wanted to live together, separate from everybody else. And so this was the apartment that we found four years ago and and loved it. And and now it's starting to feel like, uh, for me, at least time to move on a bit. And so I think I will be moving out of here shortly and, and out of Parkdale, but it, it, yeah, it's a special, it's a special place and I, I really, I get it. I feel like I belong in, in Parkdale, you know, and not about the artist stuff. I, everyone says there's artists here, which is like true, of course, but huh. I think, I, you know, there's a woman who, who, um, you know, every time I'm walking down the street, she'll always, um, kind of shout out to me that she loves what I'm wearing, or she loves, especially the pants. She really responds to the pants I wear often. And, <laughs> and, and, and that makes me feel like I'm a part of the neighborhood, you know, like if I'm, pulled out of it, she's not going to comment on my pants anymore. And I'm not going to say thank you to her and anyways, whatever. So it feels Honestly, like love it that. feels deeper than, than just, I'm an artist. I belong in Parkdale, you know?
0: Honestly. And I think the artists, well, artists are a sign of gentrification. We could go down a long road there with Parkdale and the struggle that they're having to keep their cultural integrity. And yeah, that's happening a lot of places in the city, but um, yeah you know, we're not going to go there because <laughs> I know <laughs> it's a huge, that's his own podcast episode, but uh beautiful. Yeah. And so your parents are from Pakistan.
2: That's right. Yeah. Both of them.
0: Do you and your brother speak Urdu?
2: Well, so we grew up speaking Urdu only and learned English as soon as I started school here in Canada, though I was born in here as well. And, uh, but yes, so, and so then through the process of kind of, understanding that uh, you know my my perception was that everyone spoke urdu you know that Mm -hmm. was the that's what i knew and then you go to school and then suddenly it's like if you're not speaking english fast enough you're you're not cool or you're weird and and i took that those things very seriously and actively rejected the language for i don't know i think a better half of like 15 ish years and then started to feel like it, it, that didn't feel right to to totally abandon a language which i still had such a deep connection to because the way my mother and i communicate is she's full on urdu and i'm full on english and so mm-hmm. i'd still go into the world and try to be a white person and then come home with like this intense kind of brownness that also made me feel that made me feel good the trying to be white never made me feel good that made me feel good mm-hmm. and so and so the last couple of years i'd say the last like you know six seven-ish years has really been about finding the language again and so uh and it's tough because there's so much shame around it for me and so i'll practice with like friends of mine who who speak it as well really casually and and not not in any sort of formal kind of sense but it's mostly actually through the art and the writing where i where i get to you know revel in the deliciousness of of that language and how much i Loved it, love it, have always loved it. You know,
1: I was speaking about that. I, I wrote this down because I love it. It's like the note in the structure of your play that is like, it is intentional that the order written in this play is not translated. It must not be translated in any production of this work as well.
0: Yeah, and just to give some context for people, the play that Monica is talking about is called Acha Bacha, which Bilal just published with Playwrights Canada Press. So congratulations. That is such an achievement, Bilal thanks so yeah so that's like on one of the first pages right monica of the yes manuscript so
2: yeah that's a strong choice below yeah i mean it was about it's all connected to even you know um i started writing that piece when i was 18 years old and it the from the first draft to publication was seven years in total and and one of the things that i said from the get-go in, in, in developing the piece, okay, so there's a whole journey right you start developing oh, yeah. it, you feel clear you you're excited, then you get lost, you get super lost, you get super manipulated, you get fucked over you... oh no I can swear right we can <laughs> oh swear yeah, is, for it. sure um, so that stuff happens and then and then and then by the time the offer the contract for the publication came, I was so steadfast in reconnecting to that 18-year-old who started writing the work, who, was, hmm. who, who wasn't worried, who, didn't, who get, didn't give a fuck about how people were going to receive it or what is too uncomfortable or what is not how we do things, you know, that 18-year-old. I wasn't even really consuming theater live when I, when I first started writing that, that play. So those, whatever preconceived notions were not in my mind. And it was actually just coming from a really gut place and and that 18 year old always wanted to center Urdu speaking queer and trans brown people in the work and 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 meaningfully center them, which meant that other queer and trans folks would wouldn't be centered. Which meant that um, you know non Urdu speaking Muslims would be decentered. Which of course meant white people would be decentered. You know, it's such a specific listen. Mm-hmm. We
0: love that
2: group of people, right? And just, <laughs> my 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 excitement was around okay, what would happen? Like clearly, we this this side of the world has been spending a lot of time centering. English-speaking wh- white folks in the work. Would anyone have a heart attack if I did things my way? Yeah. And to my knowledge, no one ever did in in receiving this work. And and I think it it was a really special thing to have. To make it clear that there was gonna be a lot of Urdu in the work and that it would not be subtitled in the production and it would not be translated in in the book because it it goes back to this idea of if you speak the language and you're flipping through the book, you you get all these special gifts that other people don't, and we can we can have that, you know, and that's just that it's not hard, and the publishers didn't fight it. They loved it, and uh, we, yeah. we discussed other ways to center um, queer and trans brown folks in in the book as well. It, the, the cover was designed by another trans South Asian artist, and then the book opens with community responses, and not like hmm. lukewarm. Positive quotes from Now Magazine, right? So
0: I literally no book I've ever read. I think maybe once in my entire existence have I ever read the quotes at the beginning of the book. I'm like, who is this for me? <laughs> like, right. No. right.
1: Talking about the language when you're when you're writing uh, the piece when you're when you're writing a chavacha. What? How did you know what things couldn't be translated?
2: Well, I I knew that nothing was going to be translated. Be- and then, and then the, the the where I kind of caved into some of the whiteness and the English dominance was to really um, kind of artfully uh, uh, craft the, the mother's language mm-hmm. in the work, which which, mm-hmm. which 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 kind of flows from Urdu to English and and back again. And the 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 English words that do appear in her text are really intentional, are, are like kind of handcrafted and inserted in certain places but if it were up to well yes i think my core because the, the way my mother and i talk is that she's she maybe says all of three english words in a in a like a 30 minute conversation with me right so so if i were to really swing to trying to capture the full reality of that experience, then yes, the mother would have way less English. Mm -hmm. And so, so the compromise I kind of made was, okay, throw in more English words, but, but never translate anything because my, because my, my core belief is that if you, in the book, if you're really. It taking in all the words you will still understand the mm-hmm. feeling of what's going on and then in performance you just get a brilliant actor to 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 embody the, the 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 Urdu language which with all the feelings and you'll still you'll feel her you know you'll feel what she's what she's saying or what she's trying to say and so that, that's my core belief and and it's proven you we see it time and time again you don't need to understand the language to know the feeling or to to get a sense of the feeling mm-hmm. and and so yeah I'm a, I'm a strong believer in especially in this work that nothing was going to be translated ever
0: and you have like this play is now being published as a book but there have been a production of it as well yeah. and i'm wondering what was the response of the audience that came to see it
2: well oh, from what i understood there were Uh, uh, there were, um, you know, some of the most rewarding experiences were in the were you know i still think about there was a preview that i attended where over 20 queer and trans south asian people showed up together oh. in a historically white like you know space mm-hmm. like past Mirai. and that i remember like being like oh my god there's something special here t- over 20 gathered together and fuck we're brown we can't even get our shit together like we can't show up on time for anything on time and, like you know yo. <laughs> and these people showed up and g- claimed their seats and sat down and and didn't leave. And so oh, there, was, there was that. And then there was the experience of folks coming back more than once, you know, over the course of the run. Somebody told me that they felt their entire life was kind of captured through the play. A lot of people spoke about the mother and her resonance across cultures as well yes. and then and then I, I i was i was tapped out of the the negative stuff i know for sure there was that i didn't read any of the reviews but i'm i'm pretty certain that that it was not like oh my god this is a this is the best place no, like that's not
0: even my question i think you're you're answering my question right right, yeah, right you know yeah, yeah.
2: but to, to 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 say fully i know that there definitely was a spectrum of responses that swung from kind of positive to negative, and, but specifically, the conversations I was connected to were, were South Asian folks who were kind of uh, surprised that a work like this could exist in our city and could make space for them in the way that the show did, I think.
1: Something that, that really like grabbed my attention was um, there's a scene where, I'm, I'm sorry if I mispronounced Salim and Saya, are in bed and they are they're talking about fasting and God and then they go to a sexual uh, like a scenario queerness sex and religion <laughs> together yeah. that for me was like it was it was beautiful that it was just a simple conversation but also and then you add you have so many layers in this i like re i saw it but reading it again i was like oh my god like that was so so mm-hmm. beautiful like how do you connect those three things together when a lot of people don't see them but in some cultures and I can talk for like my culture they're so like married to each other mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i i i, I, I talk about you know, this might maybe already like my third time mentioning my mom in in in, in this very You'd be you surprised
0: know. how much moms come up on this podcast. I know. Sure, like, right? Just join, the, join, the, join us. Okay, great, great. <laughs> yeah. I embrace
2: it. Uh one thing she told me from a very young age, and it wasn't in this, you know, super strict conservative conservative Muslim way. It was just super um just what it was. She was just like, she was like, bitch, you're always going to be Muslim. She's just like, you're here in this country. God knows what the fuck is going to happen. You know, uh, but, but fundamentally, foundationally, you are Muslim. Just believe it. Don't fight it. And, and, and it, you know I had heard that from quite a young age it was something that she repeated a lot I think for her there was an underlying fear of what this part of the world can do to children yeah. whose family comes from different parts of the world mm-hmm. and yeah and, and and but I just I just believed it to be what it was and then and then the the identities started to layer on top of each other right so I I as I was understanding and, and accepting my queerness, I already knew that that was gonna sit on top of my Muslimness. And then I was sexually assaulted and I was like, okay, that's gonna now sit on top of the queerness, which mm. sits on top of the Muslimness. Then I started to embrace my trans identity and the gender fluidity. And so that sits on top of the other thing, which is, you know, and and so for me, it just, it's not this, it wasn't this, it wasn't ever this experience, which often I'm also asked about is how hard was it to reconcile your faith with your que- queerness and your transness I'm like it wasn't hard I just the 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 bricks just sat on top of each other and it's just how it's always been for me it's how I like to live my life and how I like to see myself as 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 fully Muslim as I want to be as fully trans as I want to be and and so and so I think you know that that sequence that you're talking about it, it 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 flows from a place of like uh, yeah, this is this is a non, a non conversation. It's and Salim especially too. You you don't get to access that character being like, oh, I have to go. No, play, I love that. But I want to wear my bangles. It's like that that bitch is gonna do whatever the fuck they mm-hmm. want. You know, and, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was also more exciting. The that those are the kind of characters I want to meet and grapple with, and then yell at my partner over dinner after being like, "This is how they got there. This is this is their belief system," and then being like, "No, it's this." You know, that that's juice here. I, I'm just so used to or bored now by, um, I don't know, certain narratives that I think are actually fed to us by by the controllers of of entertainment and art, where like you must stay in these boxes and explore these traumas. And I think yeah. we're bored, you know?
0: Thank you for entertaining us, Bilal. Thank <laughs> you for bringing us the food we need, the nourishment we want. Um, and I also, you you said like, you know, art, the vision of art or good art or powerful art in this time. Yeah, often trauma porn, it comes up a lot. But also I think, um, also, I think the narrative that people are given about queerness and religion is often that they just can't be. You can't be a holy person and be queer. That that can't be. Yeah. And uh, it's super liberating to give yourself permission to be exactly who you are and, to, and also to be religious, like point blank, to be spiritual. It's very liberating to allow yourself to be that. Um, one of the characters in your play, again, yeah, I'm going to say their name with love, Maulana Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It says, prayer is the key to freedom. And I just, I was like, just, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that character is a little bit manipulative, a little bit, there's lots of questions with their intentions saying that, but, um, just unabashed, um, faith Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. is a very
0: powerful feeling.
2: Yeah. And also I think that's what the importance of having the five Muslim, bodies and the five muslim characters in the work was too that that we fall on a spectrum of how much you know zaya in that same scene that you're talking about says i think it's a trap to pray with you is a trap you know and and so we so the the perspectives holding space for all the perspectives is was super important in the work too because because it, it, it 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 was interesting to me to start to really gray our collective understanding of who Muslims are and what they can be. They're not, they're not only and always the terrorists, but they're not also only and always the hijabi activist who says everything right. You know, there's, there's, there's so much space for flaw and, and, you know, mixed upness in it and, and yeah. that and, and and so you have milana there who who believes in his faith i think but but that i think that take he what he chooses to do with it is in my opinion um, uh, incredibly inappropriate and uncomfortable oh, yeah. and despicable and then and then you've got you've got salim too who also has has a relationship to faith does what they want to do with it but that could also you know there's a there's another part in the book where salim is like i'd like you to pray with me to to their lover zaya who who i think has the most kind of contentious relationship with with faith and and islam and and so there's shades of oppression and liberation in in all of their kind of um relationships to faith I, i i think
1: I like also talking about this, about like faith and what it, but a lot of the stuff is like, what does it mean to be good? It's like achabacha means good boy.
2: I think it actually, you know, I've been misquoting my, see, this is me and my relationship too. <laughs> You're allowed to be messy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, okay. here I am. Um, I think it, no, the actual translation is good child. Good child. Achabacha is good child, yeah.
1: But what does it mean to be good? I don't know, I kept on thinking that it's like this idea Uh, as as someone who also grew up religious, it's like you always need to aim to be a good person, be good, be good. But it's like good uh, in the eyes
2: of who or what? It's, it's super complicated i mean are you curious about my take on it or maybe how i feel about zaya the main character and his relationship to goodness i feel
0: like this play is trying to answer that question it's yes. just such a hard question but yes below. both
2: it was really about accepting all the all the things that we are and all the things that have happened to us and if we can do that and open ourselves up to receiving love to to genuinely receiving love we might start to feel good as mm-hmm. as a humanity or as a collective body you know it was one of the biggest things in my journey too and of course it's a process there are good days and bad days even on your best days there's a little bit of bad underneath Mm -hmm. it you know but but i think i think it was I, i stumbled upon this this belief that i still hold on to is is i i if I, want, if I want to feel good, I need to accept everything that I am and, and to, to, ma- to hold it all, whether even the parts that are hard or that I don't like, or some days I don't want to feel, those things just do exist. And yeah, the second thing that I said was for so long, I wasn't open to the idea of actually being loved, actually receiving love, I just had just kind of written that off and was not something that I was um, foreseeing or imagining for myself, and mm. and and then and and I think that really does, um, you know, in some ways mirror Zaya's journey and through the, through the piece as well. And I think w- with Zaya, there the the his memories and the trauma is the thing that really. Uh, stops him from seeing himself as a as a good person Mm -hmm. and because there's such a a taboo and a weight around it he hasn't given himself the space to really talk about what happened and, and how he felt about it and i think that i think that you know the the thing that it's the thing that clouds everything right like he under he knows that he's queer he knows that he's in a relationship with this gender queer person and his he he his relationship to his mom also matters to him but the thing that i think he's convinced himself is it's all over because i think that i was sexually assaulted and if my mom knows that it's done. It's like uh, the, the 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 option, if I could choose to be good, is forever uh, written out of her books.
0: That's so real, Bilal. It's so real. Yeah.
2: I just, you know, and I, I think that it's, I think that, and, and I, I wonder what would happen to our world if we, if there was real space and time to process these things that shake our lives up forever and and i wonder what would i wonder what i i there probably wouldn't be a play if zaya if zaya had worked <laughs> through his stuff you know and and i think that it's it's why it that, that that thing is so important and the moment you know it's weird talking about my work but there there's parts that really excite me there's that there's that it's a really tiny moment but it's Towards the kind of towards the end, where Zaya asks his mom, "Do you think I'm a good person?" And that was that was in so many ways the um, the the fire that ignited the whole play for me because I had for, at the time when I was eighteen had really been like, "Oh my God, I'm done! Like my mom will never think I'm a good person." because I was uh, uh, 18 mm-hmm. with the year mm-hmm. after I was sexually assaulted. And I was like, okay, that's it. Like, I- I'm out of the running, you know? And, and then I was just obsessed. Like what would happen if I could actually ask her that question? And what might she say? And how might I feel? And what would be the, not even just the moment after, but the next five minutes after that question is asked. And um, yeah, I think it really does matter to Zaya. Like goodness is connected to his mother and, and his mother's perception of him.
0: And um, Monica and I were talking a little before this, and Monica was so enamored with the end.
1: I was just happy that it's not, like, there's not a resolution. It's like, you didn't fix the problem. The problem is going to continue to show through the entire life of your character. And to know that that's the end, and it's not like an actual, like, and then he conquered his fears. I was like, that's so real for many people
0: totally he conquered his fears and he started a successful small business uh-huh. now like it's, it's like a, no it's down. just him in silence
1: <laughs> thinking about it and thinking about it which
2: most people just go through it's just like right right yeah and uh, yeah I mean you know one of the things that I artistically i am just I crave all the time is to have an experience where I Think about the people I met after I met them. To think about the characters I encountered, and this thing about nicely tying things up is, I stop thinking about them. It's like if their if their things wrap up in the play, I'm gonna go to dinner after and be like, what did I just see? What like you know? <laughs> but but the things that linger, the things that are feel like the, the the maybe the knots are just here, oh sorry i'm using my hands in an audio I thing, just are not touching but almost touching yes yes, <laughs> that those that, that, that makes me hungry, that makes me want to keep talking and thinking mm-hmm. and discussing and arguing about what happens next to these people, and it was also really important that you know that zaya doesn't come back to the hospital to ma and be like, "You have to love me or whatever, like you know or it, it just the my my motivation behind that was to to underst- to know deeply that trauma the way that trauma impacts our lives in some ways can never be put into a nice neat little box and that's not also necessarily the end of the world or a tragedy it's it's to honor what it means to live with with trauma i think as somebody who does it's a, it's a, it's a disservice to what it, what it means to navigate and move through trauma. If, if I were to check a box and wrap everything up, I'm, I'm more interested in the lingering, the unfinished thought, the, okay, I might do this, or I might do that, or I might say this, or I might not say that. But I think some people, I don't know. I don't know. It's also not depressing. It's like, it's like, I think Zaya, I think Zaya, I don't know. I don't know what Zaya is going to do, after, you know, the next page after the play ends. But to to be able to even say something like, something happened to me. Like, I don't think uh-huh. Zaya had said that before. So there's some hope that lives in it too. And I don't think that it's, I don't think anyone's going to kill themselves, you know? Like, it's these, it's these, again, This this trauma-porny, this play in some ways i'm sure you know i'm not sure what everyone else thinks about it but you know i can totally see how this play lives quite adjacently to to trauma porn but it's but to me the things that make it different or make it not that is is that uh zaya's agency as a human being was was always really important to me i think there's that sequence in the book and i don't know how much to give away or not. You um,
0: <laughs> should all just read it, like, right. point blank. But anyway, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> sure. But, he, but he, he's doing his best to ha- regain control in his life. And I don't think that means that he's, yeah, he's going to start up a business for survivors at the end of the play. But he is going to think about how he wants to feel good in and, and, and the world and what that takes and what that means.
0: I, there's this phrase in herbalism that goes around a lot about plants. And it says, what can kill can cure. So that same plant has so many properties within it. And it's all about just say how you wanna have a relationship with those different
1: properties.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: I have a, a more technical question now that, that we talked a lot about feelings. Uh, I want like, my question was, is how do you approach writing the technical and like design parts of, of on a, on a script? to a book, how do you adapt that?
2: Well, so one thing again, that the 18 year old was really clear clear about was, don't do other people's jobs. Don't do the set designers job, don't do the lighting designers job, don't do the sound designers job. You could suggest things, you can kind of moodily like set an environment or scene through your words, but I was never, I, I had read so many plays over the course of the development of this, that we're like a red chair sits on stage left with a lamp. Oh. oh my God, that is so limiting. And why would why would a playwright ever want to do that to another person who's invited the into, into the process to dream about what the thing can look like and feel like? And so 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 one might read through the book and notice that the stage stage directions never kind of tell you what the surrounding environment looks like i think i was i was uh you know there were there were some parts that i was really interested in suggesting what the feeling needs to be of the mm-hmm. of the moment but so in in some ways to 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 answer your question it wasn't translating it into the published text was not um difficult at all because it, the stage directions were always quite sparse and were always just about you know um uh mood rather than uh, direction and and then I think also I ha- because the production happened, which uh, I think I can go on the record and say I really didn't love how the production uh, was staged specifically. And so so any th- any kind of things that happened there didn't mm-hmm. necessarily translate into the book because I was like eh, that's not really how I envisioned it being staged. But I did love I love the I don't know. Um, Monica, you said you saw it—the the the these kind of hideous and l- large gold curtains. Yes. I was like, Those yes, like that's great, and that's Joanna Yu's mind, right? But what if this play gets picked up and someone wants to stage it in Vancouver, and because there's nothing like large gold curtains take up all the space in this work, another designer will yeah. will I don't know do something yeah. else with it, and it just feels like more playful and more more space for actual meaningful collaboration
0: um it's reminding me of in like you know we did some research internet sleuthing on you trying to be not as creepy as possible but it is a little bit creepy and we looked up some other interviews that you've done and you did one with omni mm. and um the brief english parts that we were able to understand there's one that where you say
1: they ask you like why you started playwriting and your quote was I'm way more interested in having two characters interacting with each other rather than a novel or a poem
0: thank you Monica Mm -hmm. so what you just said really resonates with that because it's you're you're passionate about the the story the conversation rather than it's not your job to do the other things that's why you're doing theater
2: (laughs) yes Uh,
1: I I was thinking that because it's such a good way good advice to tell to youth to the youth
0: and yes okay So. Bilal, you work a lot with youth, eh? Like outside of your theatre practice, it seems it seems to be something you're really passionate about. Yeah. I mean, I'll let you speak to it, but just for listeners who don't know Bilal's work or all the magical things Bilal does, which we barely know, but some of them include working with the Rivers of Hope project and uh, being a facilitator with the Playwrights Unit at the Paprika Festival, which supports like young artists, technically the youth bracket of Ontario, so like teens, early 20s, um, and Story Planet, which is an amazing organization. Maybe you can talk about or you can talk about any of these. But our, my question for you is, what have you learned from working with youth? And why are you like, why is this demographic a powerful one to work with for you?
2: Mm, yeah, okay. Well, uh, yes. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm. <laughs> uh, so for me, I, I feel so um, lucky to be doing the kind of work i get to do as a human being at the at the age that i'm at and for like a real number of years kind of young young child into into young adult i spent a lot of time internalizing the messages i think i was getting from the world at large and from my parents and then and then me really believing this that there are so many things that I can't do or that I shouldn't do because no one would care, anyways, and and so I know how that affected me as a child. It made me really, um, uh, like, uh, terribly shy, like really not interested in in sharing ideas ever because I just thought that they weren't worth anything, and um, and then that also made me um uh kind of care less about the world and and and, and my role in it and it's, it's weird and kind of interesting, but also really just ties into a lot of what we've been talking about. It was actually, after I was sexually assaulted, I was like, hold, hold the phone. Like, if this is happening to many people, kind of all the time, all over the world, I cannot continue as, um, as this slightly apathetic, d- deeply scared person. I need to start... Doing things and saying things that I've been thinking about for for a while, and so and so the work that I do is really, especially with youth, is is kind of ground, always grounded in, um, uh, uh, celebrating people where they're at and all the things that they're at, all the things that they're bringing to a process. Story Planet specifically, we work in in neighborhoods in Toronto that where the. Funding just really doesn't reach them for I think super racist and problematic reasons, and often also working with newcomers and 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 and, and children who I'm like I, I lead the some of the creative writing workshops and I'm like I know you're looking at me thinking like oh that person has the same skin color I do. Maybe I can do what they're doing if I if I like it, you know. And any anyways, the, the the goal of that is to really bring. Uh, essentially, we walk them through writing these young children, them writing their own novels or short stories, and it's such a rewarding process working with them. With Rivers of Hope, it's about anti-Islamophobia, which was one of the things that really messed me up. I was super young when nine eleven happened, and then. That point onwards, just deeply felt um, super ashamed of my existence, and so to to not only speak to just definitely speak to the Muslim students that we work with in, in, in classrooms and community centers around um, validating their existence as people who who are who are all that they are, but but then also speaking to the non-Muslim students and. S- seriously activating them in, in figuring out ways that they can combat Islamophobia or, or inter, or intervene when, when, mm. when, and Islamophobia looks like so many things, the microaggressionness of it to the, to the more extreme. And so that, that work really is tied to also my social justice kind of excitement. And, but, but is really, again, about uh, uh, letting people be all that they are, and then yeah, and then paprika. Of course, they paprika's been so good to me. I, I, Achebecha was in development through their playwright residency in mm-hmm. 2014, and and they were a big part of why I kept kind of going with the play and with theater because they just really made a space for me to risk and try things and. And so that with paprika specifically and now being able to work with their playwrights unit, it just really feels like a giving back that I've kind of always wanted to do because they gave me, they gave me so much. But yes, to work with youth means to means to if I can if I can enter their life and maybe just be myself around them, they might feel the permission to be their their selves more or deeper in, in in the world they might see i you know i never saw a facilitator like myself come into a classroom and do anything creative you know and that might just it gives them the permission to dream really big if they want to that excites me and and i think the thing that i take from the youth the thing that i learn always is there, there's um there's just there's no uh, hierarchy in 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 the exchange of giving okay this is not going to totally make sense. There is no hierarchy in giving each other all of yourself. I have found that when i 'm working with young people though it's sometimes hard you know you kind of get a little self-conscious especially I have found you know in the in the way I exist in the world how I look with the clothes I choose to wear and stuff but I have found time and time again I uh, it is it is simply an act of seeing each other where we're at and and connecting and talking and then all this magic comes from it and so and so if young people can see me, for the most part, in all that I am, that really like reinforces this idea that everybody else should be able to, too. And I'm not taking any more bullshit from like a 40-year-old cis white person being like, oh, it's hard for me. to accept you like okay if that's the case we're not working together you could you can figure that out on your own and then maybe we can talk but yeah i think there's something there's just something really energizing they're like they're like they're like i just want to be creative or i just want to learn something and and it doesn't the way they receive information is just so Ah, oh, juicy it's like what happened to us as adults where we lose this this serious like joy for new information and hunger curiosity and openness just a a, a spirit of play and um, experimentation you know
0: your love for it it just pours out of you it's it's awesome oh thanks so we ask the same questions to every guest the title of this podcast is called merendiando which is a spanish north mexican word we're discovering um which has to do with like getting together having a snack and chatting and connecting that's what we're kind of doing here non-shelter in place times we would have been in the same space and there would have been food and that would have been starting this whole thing so we're wondering if you have a merendiando or a merienda or a snack to share with us, but it doesn't necessarily need to be food. It could be like, do you have a merienda for the brain? Like, what's your favorite snack right now? Favorite song? Something that's like a little snack for people to, to chew on?
2: Wow! Oh, that's a great question. Okay, Depression. seriously, like, it's 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 wop for me.
0: Oh my God! Same below.
2: I it's my it's a it's a ritual now I wake up in the morning I listen I watch the video like five times on repeat and then I go about my day and then when I'm just bored I'll watch it when I'm sad I'll watch it it's do it's 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 the gifts that it was intending to put out into the world I know for sure I'm I'm really receiving over and over again so yes
0: yes the matriarchy it's here
2: yeah
0: it's always been here yes love that so much please everyone listen to WAP right now
1: if you want you know our last questions we are interviewing other artists that are not uh in canada we're interviewing different international artists and if there's a question that you want to ask our next artist it can be about anything can be about everything just a question you want to put out there in the world and we'll give it to somebody to answer. Mm.
2: Okay. I don't know. I, this is the first thing that popped into my head. Is that, is that cool?
1: Yeah, obviously.
2: Okay. What, what is the part of your practice that scares you the least?
1: I love Ooh, that can't wait to ask that.
0: <laughs> All right. So the next episode after the next Merendiando episode, after this, we will ask that question to the guest.
1: So
2: feel uh.
0: free to listen to the response
2: tune in yes okay love it thank you
1: and thank you so much for chatting with us with sharing this zoom merienda conversation
2: yes oh my god thank you it's like you know yes everyone's on zoom now but this for this this feels really nice and i super appreciate talking to you both and thanks for making the space for me and the play
0: it's easy it's it's delightful in fact awesome we are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Egan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dagarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabek Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish With
1: One Spoon wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. Araluna. We remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio
0: Aluna Theatre is produced by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage
1: and the Metcalf Foundation. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.